0: Hey, Matt, it's Brett Barry. A little coda to our interview. You'd asked about what I love about or what inspires me most about the Catskills, and in typical audio producer fashion, I've been second-guessing the answer I gave ever since. Well, this morning, I'd set the alarm for 5 o'clock because it's garbage pickup day, and the bears have been so active this summer, we don't dare put the cans out the night before. If I get up at 5, that gives me about 15 minutes before the truck comes up the road. Well, this morning, a pack of yelping coyotes, very close, jolted me awake at 4.45. I thought, oh boy, in 15 minutes I'll be out there with those coyotes. But just then, I could hear the garbage truck coming up the road. Great. My wife tells me to grab the bear spray, but I'm like, no time. I fumbled out of the house, clapping as I was running toward the shed, to hopefully warned coyotes and bears that I'm there, grabbed the garbage can and sprinted it down a pretty long driveway, meeting up with the truck driver the moment he pulled up. We had a quick conversation about bears as I helped him load the truck, and then I walked back to the house feeling very close to throwing up because, one, I'm not a morning person, and two, I'm not a runner. Just then, two owls were hooting at each other in the woods. It was now about 4.50 a.m., I looked up at the stars and the moon in the sky, and I thought, this is what I love about the Catskills. Black bears motivated me to get up this early in the first place, a pack of yipping coyotes preempted the alarm clock, and a pair of hooting owls ushered me back into bed. Despite the intense nausea I felt at that moment, I was reminded once again that our actions and the rhythms of the Catskills are still very much orchestrated by the wild, and I love that. So I think that's a better answer than whatever I said in our interview. Thanks, Matt.
1: Down in the valley, moved up from the city, it's a new way of living, and I'm trying to get used to it. One part two, half an ounce of an idiot, ordered a Manhattan, and they call me a city, yeah. At first I heard my feelings, but it's kind of got to it. They can tell when you're new to win. I'm looking at a place But I'm trying to keep fitting in It takes too long to be a local So for now I'm a city yet I'm Matt Zucker, and this is Citiate, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. So we haven't really talked about the chronogrammies and my loss. Well, I won in that the badge says winner, but it also says in slightly smaller type, runner up. Last year, it said first place. Now, if you know me, and if you read my book, I have a bizarre relationship with rankings and competitiveness. So when I heard I placed, but it was runner up, I had that mix of thrill and disappointment. I spent a little time being down about it, I spent a little time putting in a box and not dealing with it, and then I spent much more time tuning in to hear who won. The other runner-up was Herder on the Barn, produced by the Catskill Animal Sanctuary, a great series hosted by Kathy Stevens, who you heard in Episode 75. The first place winner, though, was Catscast, a podcast about the Catskills produced by Silver Hollow Audio and Brett Barry, who I did not know, but of course, I became fascinated by. I listened to three different episodes of Catscast, and I mean, his voice was just unbelievable, and the sound quality, oh, it was so good, and he was recording outdoors. I mean, tune into his Anglers episode, episode 69, Protecting What You Love, and I tell you, You are fishing. I don't go fishing. I've never been interested in fishing. Yet there I was, fascinated by fishing, and I felt like I was there in that little vest with little pockets and little hooks, fishing. And episode 58 of his show is about the mountain eagle, a small town paper that is saved in the Catskills, which you know from my own episodes at interest I couldn't wait to hear about. So I wrote to Brett, and I wrote to Kathy, not just to say muzzle tough, but to talk to both of them. I wanted to know them. They both loved the idea, and Kathy came on for episode 75, and now you'll get to meet my new friend and the winner himself, Brett Barry. Meeting up at Old Savannah's Restaurant in Kingston on the Roundout down by the water, kind of a geographic midpoint for the Catskills in the Hudson Valley. We interviewed each other, but I insisted we use his audio equipment since he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's an audio engineer, a professional so Brett and I are both releasing episodes about each other, with each other, this week, just in time for International Podcast Day. Yes, it's a day, September 30th. I can't be more excited about podcasting, and you know I love being a cheerleader, not just for the Hudson Valley and Catskills, but also for rural and regional podcasts, which there are a lot of across the country. I've been building that list of regional and rural podcasts, which you can find on the City at Blog and a link to from the show notes. You'll also find links to the Catscast podcast itself, plus to Brett's recordings of scenic and history tours of the Catskills on Drive 28, which are free recordings and which help you appreciate everything around you, which when you come to think of it, is kind of what we're both about. So Brett, this is great. We're sitting outside, down on the randout on I think what is the Esopus at Old Savannah.
0: It's beautiful, yeah, and I've, I've never eaten here, but I've seen it from, we took one of the boat rides here, or ferry rides or something, maybe out to the, to the lighthouse there and saw that there was some outdoor dining here and thought this would be a great place to, to come back to.
1: And people will be very impressed that we're doing outdoor recording, which I can only do because I'm doing it with you, who's an audio <laughs> engineer.
0: I love outdoor recording. You oh. Get a little bit of the ambience. There's no problems with echo or reverb or room problems. This is a very advanced episode. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: maybe start with telling me about you and how did you how did you get up here? Are you from here? Are you from the Catskills?
0: When I was a kid, we used to come up all the time. My parents would bring me up here for weekends and summertime vacations. From where? Long Island, oh. South Shore of Long Island. And so Friday after school, the car would come in and pick me up from school and we would head right to the Catskills. So. I didn't really have a choice in the matter, but it, it was a great experience, and uh, I loved, for the most part, that you know, that weekly break from the suburbs, and uh, and always loves it up here. So they built a log house up near Phoenicia in the mid '80s.
1: A log cabin, like a log, a log cabin. cabin, out little, of logs, out of logs, like wooden logs. Wooden
0: logs. They built it themselves with help from one or two people who knew what they were doing.
1: <laughs> My friend Beth is building a log cabin up in the Adirondacks.
0: And it all has to be very planned because you can't just put an outlet somewhere if you didn't think of it in the beginning because it's all solid wood. There's no wall cavities. Right. So, um, you also
1: can't smoke or light a fire, right?
0: Oh, no, they have a wood stove. Yep. So that was mid 80s, and then when I graduated high school, they moved up full time. Then I went off to college for television, radio, film production in Syracuse, met my wife there. We came back, lived in the city. Well, I say the city. It was northern Jersey. I lived in Hoboken. We lived in Nutley, New Jersey. It's Martha New Jersey. Stewart lived. Yeah. <laughs> and they drop a giant nut on New Year's Eve instead of a ball. Really? Yep. Did not know that. And then when our first kid was coming along, we were looking for a nicer place to live, and the market in Jersey was crazy. And we had already had a little house right next to my parents that we'd come up to for you know weekends or vacations. And we thought, well, oh, let's maybe build onto this and see if we can make a go of it. And my wife, Rebecca, said, we'll give it five years, see how it goes. And that was in 2005, so it's it's gone well, although she told me later it took nine years for her to truly acclimate to the Catskills because she was born in. Bread in New Jersey. So, the convenience factor or lack of convenience factor and having to plan everything and making very extensive lists so you don't have to make that 45 minute drive twice in a day was a bit of a challenge. And also, just meeting people and making friends and kids helped with that. Going to school and meeting other parents, it was difficult. So, how
1: how did you meet people? People ask that me all the time about how should I make friends.
0: Yeah, for us, it was playdates and little gym and... Uh, so
1: have a child. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was... Yeah, if we, if we never had kids, we probably still wouldn't have friends. We're, we're not the most outgoing people. <laughs> we're very content sitting in the house and reading a book, so it, yeah, thankfully for the kids, we actually know people.
1: <laughs> City is supported by Sunflower Market. With stores in Woodstock and Rhinebeck, Sunflower Market brings our communities whole health products we can feel good about, serving to the people we love. Sunflower works with local farmers and businesses to provide a large selection of clean and sustainably sourced food, high quality organic produce, and all natural products, so we always know where our food comes from. Brian and I pop in for groceries all the time, and especially when we're having people over. Sunflower Market, long live local. Thanks, Sunflower. So you professionally work in audio. I got into podcasting because I wrote radio ads.
0: I went to school for television, radio, and film, and then when I was working in the city, I worked in documentary, television documentary production, and worked for a small company that did a lot of documentaries for the major networks, History Channel, Discovery Channel, A&E, all that. So that's where I kind of trained in this and then worked my way kind of back into audio, which I really loved, through voiceover work. Learned how to do narration and commercial voiceover and audiobooks and all of that and still learning every day because it's, you know, it's a bit of a practice. Your
1: your voice is extremely handsome, which I'm sure you know. (laughs) But did you know you had a good voice for or did someone tell you?
0: I had, you know, like a great aunt who used to tell me, oh, you have a great voice for radio, you need to get, and that probably stuck with me a little bit, but I always did enjoy performance, and I remember recording on my little Fisher Price tape machine when I was a kid, <laughs> fake commercials and dramatic stuff and mixtapes and things, so I always loved that, and I thought, well, let me, let me get into this line of work, and so I went to the person who I was working for in documentary production, I said, this has been great, thank you so much, I'm going to go pursue voiceovers full time and that was a really stupid idea because <laughs> I didn't realize how long it takes to get your foot in the door get an agent get a demo tape cut all that stuff and I was really enjoying what I was doing in documentary so I should have just kind of stuck with it but I thought if I'm going to do this seriously I need to commit fully not realizing I, I, I probably could have done both for a while I finally got an agent and finally started getting auditions and doing some commercial work and then getting into audiobooks and that kind of thing and then when we moved up to the Catskills Most of what I was doing, I was able to do from here. We just built a studio into the house. I was still running to the city all the time for auditions, which was awful, and I don't have to do that anymore because everybody is now acclimated to working from home studios. Through voiceovers and my background in production, I started getting back into audio production up here as a way to kind of fill in the gaps between voiceover jobs, and there's there's many of them, so. I did a, several audio driving tours through the Catskills on grants with some of the municipalities and- Audio oh, uh, to
1: driving tours? Like where to go, like you go along?
0: Yeah, oh. so that was kind of inspired from going to like Gettysburg and putting the tape in the car and going around the battlefield and hearing the, and I thought this would be great for the Catskills as people come up to learn about these different towns and history and things going on. So I pitched it to the, what is now the Catskill Mountain Scenic Byway, which is a big stretch of Route 28. And they loved the idea, and we got grant money together, and I did at least three driving tours for them. They're app-based and CD-based at the time. And so if you drive from Kingston all the way to Andes, which is even past Margaretville, so that's way west of where you've been, it times out pretty perfectly. So if you, you kind of drive the speed limit, you're going to hear about these towns and the history of the areas as you go through them. So they're available? They're available. Where do I get them? They're free. They're on drive28.com. Oh my, I'm going to totally do
1: this.
0: <laughs> there's the, the original tour. Some of it's a little outdated by now, but not most, and especially not the history. There's the arts and culture tour, which is also a lot about farming. There's the outdoor adventure tour. And then there's a sustainability tour, which is a little bit more location-based, so you don't have to go at a certain speed. You can just stop and listen about a specific place. Oh, great. That...
1: I'll, I'll put links to these in the show notes.
0: Great. And then eventually, and especially as these started going away, I thought I need to kind of repurpose a lot of this work that I've done. Podcast would be a really natural way to do that. So I turned those driving tours, pieces of those driving tours, audiobook excerpts, I do a lot of audiobook production. And so that became the first six to 10 episodes of Catscast. And then I quickly ran out of material and, and discovered that I actually have to produce material every two weeks.
1: And congratulations on winning the Chronogrammy.
0: Thank you. And congratulations on second place and first I know. place last year.
1: I've been dethroned. <laughs> I've been dethroned. I it's was like, boring. no one. Yes. I was like, my mother and sister were voting every single day. How did you win? <laughs>
0: It would be boring if you if you won first place two years in a row. you got to, you know, mix it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, your, your, your show is really great because it's really in-depth, and it's you get to feel the experience. I hope people go listen to it because you'll, you'll understand more things, and you'll hear the sounds, and the people you bring on are really interesting and beautiful, and it's, it feels important.
0: I approach it from, I guess, the documentary background yeah, that I like come it. from. So I like to think of it as a public radio-style podcast where yeah. we really go in-depth, and there's a lot of audio elements that I like to bring into it, keep the listener engaged.
1: Is there something about audio up here that's kind of special? I always felt like because of the music industry and the strong sense of music, is this an important place for audio?
0: There is. There's a huge audio, sound, music history here in the Catskills, particularly in the Woodstock area. I mean, a a storied history. And then I think for spoken word media, like a podcast, it's a really natural place to enjoy that type of media because there's so much driving up here. So what else are you going to do on those 45 minute trips to and from the grocery store?
1: Yeah. Let's talk about geography more because I I wanted to compare the Catskills and the Hudson Valley, which geographically overlap. I wonder from your perspective, how do you think of the two geographically? Are they the same thing or are they very distinct? I'm still too new to know.
0: Before we sat down for this interview, I looked at a map because I knew you were gonna ask me about the Hudson Valley and the Catskills, (laughs) and I wanted to make sure that they really did overlap, and they do. When I think of the Hudson Valley, I think of a really long stretch between like Nyack or Yonkers all the way up to Albany. right? And it's defined by the river and goes out quite a bit east and west, but it is quite a, a large region. The Catskills dip into that region And then the very Western or Northern Catskills, I guess, are just outside of it. So depending, I guess, where you are in the Catskills, you're a resident of both. And when we first moved up here, my wife would tell a lot of people that we lived in the Hudson Valley because we had been coming from the city and so she thought more people relate. Yeah, it's a little fancier, maybe. Maybe Uh, not. (laughs) People know it more. Yeah, it has a little cachet. I think we both say we're from the Catskills now because everybody knows the Catskills. And it just helps define the smaller region that we actually live in, which is a little wilder, you know, very mountainous. I think of lime seas, I think of bugs,
1: and you know, (laughs) it's trees and skiing Uh and you know, I think of farms for the Hudson Valley. How do you, do you think of them differently?
0: When I think of this area of the Hudson Valley, which I guess is mid Hudson Valley, I think of farms, vineyards, nice restaurants, uh, expensive properties to some extent. And uh, the Catskills, at least where I am, is is very mountainous and a lot more dense, in terms of not really big open, open spaces, but more rugged terrain. A lot of wildlife. I mean, we coming. Yeah. What, co- do say? what do you see? What uh, do you see? My daughter came face to face with a cub yesterday, oh, and they both were so close to each other that they scared each other and both ran in opposite directions. Oh. <laughs> we were away from the house, and she called us and said, "What do I do? I scared the cub." The cub scared me, now the cub ran across the creek, because we live right on a creek, and now I hear it crying and the mom's on the other side with the other two cubs and they can't find each other. And so we're like, okay, stay in the house. You don't want to scare her any further and just kind of keep an eye out the window. There's really nothing you can do. They'll find each other. And eventually they did. But it's amazing how much contact we have with bears, a lot of coyotes, we've seen bobcats, a lot of snakes.
1: Oh, a lot of snakes. A lot of snakes. I don't see
0: snakes. That was another thing that we had to get used to, especially my wife. One time when we had the oil guy come to work on our boiler, he went down to the crawl space, the dirt crawl space, and he came back up and he said, oh, you have a really colorful snake down there. I think it might be a copperhead. You gotta be careful.
1: That's a bad snake, right?
0: That's a bad snake. And it turns out that uh, the maintenance people don't necessarily know snakes. (laughs) I came to find out that it was actually just a milk snake, which is a beautiful, very bright colored snake that is harmless but lived in the crawl space and my wife said, Brett, if a snake ever comes into the house, I'm out of here, we're moving. (laughs) I think it was the next day, I heard her yell and I heard her from my studio, Brett, there's a goddamn snake in the dining room. (laughs) Good Jersey girl. Yeah, her language is probably more colorful than that. And I walked out and there was a little baby ring-neck snake and if you've never seen a ring-neck snake, it's a little black snake with a yellow ring or an orange ring around its neck, like a necklace. Really cute, but obviously, you know, you don't want it in the house. But it was really small, baby snake, and we escorted it out, and then she got a little more comfortable. Every fall, a baby ring snake would come into the house, so the mom must live in the crawl space, and that happened for years and years, and finally, I think I found the one spot by the fireplace that might have had a little crack, and I finally sealed it, and they didn't come up anymore but the snakes are close, and sometimes a little too close for comfort, but, you know, the old adage that they're more afraid of you than you are of them, like any animal. Oh, I always forget that. Yeah, same with the, with the cub that ran away from my daughter, same with snakes, same with, same with a lot of these animals who are really just doing their thing, and it's just more of a, of a startling thing when you come up close and not realizing you're gonna see it.
1: So snakes aside, I, I try to sell people on the Hudson Valley a lot, and including the Catskills, but I tend to focus more on the places I know better, how would you sell somebody on the Catskills? like what it, what would be the pitch?
0: I don't know if I need to. The Catskills are so popular right now. <laughs> we have a lot of Brooklynites yeah, coming up, yeah. and the uh, first stop is the Phoenicia Diner, I think, and then some want to stay a little longer and we'll do an Airbnb, and then some want to stay longer than that and have been buying houses. So the market's been really tight. I think the region speaks for itself. It's just beautiful, beautiful scenery in every direction. It hasn't been overbuilt like many places have been. It's protected by the New York City watershed. It's a unique region in that so much of it is forever protected. I feel very lucky to own a piece of land and a house surrounded by that forever wild. I have a neighbor on either side, but then on the other side is Mountain Mm. and it's uh, New York State land so I, I can use it, I can hike on it, but I know that I'm never gonna lose that no view. Said.
1: Have you sensed blowback or resentment or tension during the latest influx of, 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 of people?
0: No, I don't think so. I think the one thing that irritates a lot of people is the Airbnb situation, especially when someone who doesn't live here buys multiple properties to rent out as Airbnbs and has no vested interest in the area. I think people who move up and commit to the area like you were saying before, that's great. Love to have those people as part of the community and participating and, you know, new blood. But the situation that's happening right now with real estate and rental properties is irksome. And it's not fair for the people who can't afford to live there anymore. A lot of people are really just scraping by. It's not a rich area. There's still a lot of people in in the Catskills who who struggle. So they have every right to continue to live there and that's becoming more difficult.
1: What are your favorite places, your go-to inspirational secret places? I won't tell anyone.
0: (laughs) It's one of the most popular hikes in the Catskills, but I just did it again. I went up to North South Lake, which is just beautiful. That's up in the northern Catskills near Tannersville-Haynes Falls. Really pretty trails up there. It's a day-use area, so you can camp there, you can use the lake, and then there's some really nice trails with beautiful views of the Hudson River Valley. That's one place. Some of the smaller hikes are really cool to discover. The big ones just get overused, and so that on a typical weekend it's hard to even find a parking spot in the, in the uh, parking area. So when I do hike, I try to find a place that's a little bit off the beaten path, and there's plenty of them. There's so many established hiking trails in the Catskills, and they're all great in their own way. Some have great views, some have interesting history. There's a hike I did called Dibbles Quarry. That's also in the Tannersville area, Elka Park area, where you hike up to an old bluestone quarry. And it's really pretty and unique. And some of the stone has been turned into this giant furniture. People have made big tables and chairs out of it, so you can just kind of like have a picnic up there. Also some really nice views. Nothing grandiose or amazing like take your breath away views, but it's the experience of the hike and just that spot with those beautiful stones. I think history is important, so I love to go to places where the history is evident and I know something about it. So the whole bluestone industry that was prevalent in the Catskills. And And I guess one of the things I love most about producing this podcast is I focus a lot on history. I focus a lot on sustainability, number one, and probably history, number two. I I just think that knowing about the places that you're visiting or hiking through just makes it that much more special. Um, Restaurants, Peekamoose, Phoenicia Diner, Dixon's Great, and Woodstock. And in your neck of the woods, my parents drive to the Indian place in Red Hook because it's one of the closest Indian restaurants. Red Hook Curry not. House? Yes, Red Hook Curry House. Really? So that's what, hour and a half, two hour round trip for Indian food? But if you want Indian food, you want Indian I food. I should
1: have brought, brought it with yeah. me <laughs> for you.
0: And a lot of places in the Catskills, probably the same on your side of the river, are closed on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, so.
1: I know, everything's closed down. If you want to open a restaurant, open it on Monday or Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> because people will be so grateful. You asked me what I learned Since I moved up here and producing the show, is there something that you've really learned about living up here that you would pass on to somebody new?
0: It's funny, you'd think that up in the mountains it would be a little less diverse, but in a way it's a lot more diverse than the types of people that you wind up spending your days with. You know, living in or around the city, it would be hard to imagine going to a party with all different age ranges and people of different political views and you know real kind of country folk and urban people to mingling together and that that happens up here all the time and for the most part everyone has a really nice working relationship with each other so that's something that I guess is a nice surprise yeah that's interesting. Up here. right
1: sometimes you're just happy people show up it's
0: interesting living in a place that many people consider a, a vacation spot or a place that that the business of it is really for the most part tourism and I guess I find living up here that I don't I don't take advantage of nearly the amount of things that I should be taking advantage of. We went
1: and through Woodstock one Sunday, and I didn't even know they do the Woodstock Drummer Circle on Sundays. Yeah. Like it's so cool.
0: I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, and I have to remind myself to take advantage of that once in a while. This was a good spot to meet for uh, yeah, you know for, for Catscast City at uh, Catskills and Hudson Valley podcasts. We're right on the right on the edge here, the gray area, Kingston, New York. Right, she would is, claim it. I think it's, it's solidly in both columns. It's yeah. Definitely Hudson Valley. Definitely Catskills. So kind of on the edge of the Catskills. You can see them. Yeah.
1: And some of these small children look like they live in a log cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brett. And thank you for listening to this new, unique crossover episode of City It. Be sure to turn into Catscast so you can hear the reverse. Brett interviewing me on his show. And of course, you can find links to that and everything else we mentioned on the show, including those really cool driving tours in the show notes and on the episode page. But first, before we end, here's a teaser of the interview that Brett does of me.
0: Where do you live up here and what initially drew you there?
1: I never really knew upstate. I knew from New Jersey, I knew West, I knew the Poconos. I knew there was this thing called the Berkshires. So when we decided to explore the idea of first having a weekend place, we tried all different towns. And so I developed this rule about how to shop for a town called the 1031 one And the 10-3-1 is about, look at 10 towns and all the places you want and drive through them and see them, choose three towns. So this is what we did and we rented in those different places for like a summer, you know, or a couple long weekends, to experience whether you really wanted to be there, and then settle on your one. Down in the valley, moved up from the city, it's a new way of living, and I'm trying to get used to it. one park, just half an ounce of an idiot. City, I'm a I'm a I'm a city, I'm a city, I'm a city, I'm a city.